You're listening to the Black Girls of Purpose podcast, where we talk about faith, friendships, and feature boss women from the Black Girls of Purpose community. I'm your host, Brianna Lightfoot-Smith, founder and CEO of Black Girls of Purpose. Hey, Purpose peeps, we're back with our third episode of the Sabbath and Self-Care series. We've been focusing on Sabbath and Self-Care for the entire month of April, and I hope that it's blessing you as much as it's blessing me. It's funny because I shared last week that because I'm teaching this, God has given me a lot of different opportunities to apply what it is that I'm teaching. It's one thing to say, hey, here's what you guys should do. And it's another one to be like, okay, sis, what what was that thing that you said this week? So uh, this week we're talking about contentment and God's been getting on me about that, specifically with what I eat. I let y'all know that we're doing a um, healthy eating challenge for the month of April on Instagram and you can participate on in that by following us on Instagram at Black Girls with Purpose and then talking about why you're eating healthy using hashtag BGWP Eats. Um, if you do that, you'll be entered to win a free copy of my first book, The Black Girls Guide to Living on Purpose. So that's just a little plug. But uh, God was telling me, he got on me this week. So me and my husband celebrated three years of marriage this week. Hey, shout out marriage. I'm Millie Whopping, you can't see it. <laughs> but uh, we went to uh, a restaurant called Grand Lux and, you know, part of the challenge is no fast food, no fried food, no um, dessert and then no bread. And I've been doing great on every area, but they I ordered some crab cakes and not everybody's crab cakes are fried. Theirs were fried. And so I looked at that and I was like, Lord, should I send these back? And I feel like even the fact that I asked that I should have sent them back, but I was like, I'm going to eat them, Lord, because, you know, it's our anniversary (laughs) and they were delicious. I can't lie to you. But then later I was like, sis, you could have just been content with what you had, sent them back and then said, you know what, Lord, you're going to give me another opportunity to come back here and get these crab cakes that I'm looking at. Now, y'all know I'm just sharing with you because y'all are my people and uh, also confession is good for the soul. Scripture says, confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. So, you know, that was a kind of an oversight on my part, trying to justify things. And we're so good at doing that, right? Being like, oh, Lord, like, I know what you said, what you meant probably wasn't really that. And God is like, no, if I say this, that's what I mean. And if I release you from that, like, I'll release you and I say you're done with your training. You don't get to decide you're done with your training. So y'all may be like, Brie, are you, why are you rambling so much? Why are you talking about all this food? It actually is perfect because it ties in with our lesson for this week. We're going to be looking at the Israelites and how they were not content with the manna that God gave them from heaven. Uh, they really wanted meat and it actually um, ended up spoiler alert, killing some of them in the end. And you'd be like, what girl, this is scandalous. I tell people all the time, the Bible is not boring. People who think the Bible is boring, like they got all of the stories in the Bible. And we're going to talk today just about how discontentment with what uh, the Israelites had really was a dangerous thing. And we're going to talk about the three things that contentment can teach us if we will follow the Holy Spirit's lead instead of trying to like strive and do our own thing. So I'm really excited about today's lesson. I hope that it will bless you immensely. I know I always say that, but that's what I mean. So let's get into the episode for this week. I'll be trying to make it in the heaven though. But you'll be trying to knock me off my course though. Voices in my head screaming YOLO. Yeah, but you only die. 
So for today's episode, we're actually going to be looking at two similar Bible stories. They both involve the Israelites. They both involve manna from heaven, but they come out of two different chapters in the Bible. So one comes out of, or two different books in the Bible. One comes out of Exodus 16 and the other one comes out of Numbers 11. And this is really important for you to note because I was doing my personal Bible study and I was like, wait, they didn't die the first time when I read this, they didn't die, but I, I had to read and see that there are two different accounts when the Israelites complained to God about the manna that he gave them. So let's jump into the first lesson or, or the first Bible passage, which comes from Exodus 16. So it's Exodus 16 verses one through 24. I know that's a lot, but the context is important. So just bear with me. Uh, it reads, the entire Israelite community departed from Elam and came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had left the land of Egypt. The entire Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by pots of meat and ate all the bread we wanted. Instead, you brought us into the wilderness to make this whole assembly die of hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. The people are going to go out each day and gather enough for that day. This way I will test them to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as what they gathered on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, this evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. In the morning, you will see the Lord's glory because he has heard your complaints about him. For who are we that you complain about us? Most continued. The Lord will give you meat to eat this evening and more than enough bread in the morning, for he has heard the complaints that you are raising against him. Who are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord, for he has heard your complaints. As Aaron was speaking to the entire Israelite community, they turned toward the wilderness and there in a cloud, the Lord's glory appeared. The Lord spoke to Moses, I have heard the complaints of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will eat bread until you are full. Then you will know that I am Yahweh your God. So at evening, quail came and covered the camp. In the morning, there was a layer of dew all around the camp. And when the layer of dew evaporated, there were fine flakes on the desert surface, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they asked one another, what is it? Because they didn't know what it was. And Moses told them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather as much of it as each person needs to eat. You may take two quarts per individual according to the number of people each of you has in his tent. So the Israelites did this. Some gathered a lot, some gathered a little. When they measured it by quarts, the person who gathered a lot had no surplus and the person who gathered a little had no shortage. Each gathered as much as he needed to eat. Jumping to verse 21, it says they gathered every morning, each gathered as much as he needed to eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much food, four quarts apiece. And all the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He told them, this is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil and set aside everything left over to be kept until morning. So they set it aside until morning as Moses commanded, and it didn't smell or have any maggots in it. So then the next passage comes out of Numbers 11, and it, it's very similar. The Israelites complain about the food, and then God says he's going to give them meat, and 
but then there's a twist at the end. So just listen. It's a Numbers 11, 4 through 6. And then I'm going to read verse 10 through 34. So it reads, Contemptible people among them had a strong craving for other food. The Israelites cried again and said, Who will feed us meat? We remember the free fish we ate in Egypt, along with the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But now our appetite is gone. There's nothing to look at but this manna. Moses heard the people, family after family, crying at the entrance of their tent. The Lord was very angry. Moses was also provoked. So Moses asked the Lord, why have you brought such trouble on your servant? Why are you angry with me? And why do you burden me with all these people? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth so you should tell me carry them at your breast as a nursing woman carries a baby to the land that you swore to give their fathers? Where can I get meat to give all these people? For they are crying to me, give us meat to eat. I can't carry all these people by myself. They are too much for me. If you're going to treat me like this, please kill me right now. If you are pleased with me, don't let me see my misery anymore. Verse 16, the Lord answered Moses, bring me 70 men from Israel known to you as elders and officers of the people. Take them to the tent of meeting and have them stand there with you. Then I will come down and speak with you there. I will take some of the spirit who is on you and put the spirit on them. They will help you bear the burden of the people so that you do not have to bear it by yourself. Tell the people, purify yourselves in readiness for tomorrow and you will eat meat because you've cried before the Lord who will feed us meat. We really had it too good in Egypt. And the Lord will give you meat and you will eat. You will eat not only for one day or two days or five days or 10 days or 20 days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and becomes nauseating to you because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and cried to him, why did we ever leave Egypt? But Moses replied, I'm in the middle of a people with 600,000 foot soldiers. Yet you say, I will give them meat and they will eat for a month. If flocks and herds were slaughtered for them, would they have enough? Or if all the fish in the sea were caught for them, would they have enough? And the Lord answered Moses, is the Lord's power limited? You will see whether or not what I have promised will happen to you. Verse 24, Moses went out and told the people the word of the Lord. He brought 70 men from the elders of the people and had them stand around the tent. Then the Lord descended in the cloud and spoke to him. He took some of the spirit that was on Moses and placed the spirit on the 70 elders. As the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they never did it again. Two men had remained in the camp, one named Eldad and the other Medad. The spirit rested on them, and they were among those listed, but had not gone out to the tent. And they prophesied in the camp. A young man ran and reported to Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, son of Nun, assistant to Moses since his youth, responded, Moses, my Lord, stop them. But Moses asked them, are you jealous on my account? If only all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would place his spirit on them. Then Moses returned to the camp along with the elders of Israel. Verse 31. A wind, by the Lord, a wind sent by the Lord came up and blew quail in from the sea. It dropped them at the camp all around, three feet off the ground, about a day's journey in every direction. And the people were up all that day and night and all the next day gathering the quail. The one who took the least gathered 50 bushels and they spread them out all around the camp. While the meat was still between their teeth, before it was chewed, the Lord's anger burned against the people, and the Lord struck them with a very severe plague. So they named that place Kibroth Hatava, because they, that's where they buried the people who had craved the meat. So y'all, it got real deep real quick in this story. Um, remember, we're comparing Exodus 16 to Numbers 11. So they have a lot of similarities in the fact that in both stories, the Israelites are 
discontent with what they have. And in the first passage in Exodus 16, it actually doesn't say what they had been eating prior to um, that particular space when they're saying like, Lord, you should have given us something to eat. Uh, at this point, though, they have been delivered from Egypt. They have crossed the Red Sea. So it's not like God couldn't do anything. But in the second passage, they've been eating manna for a while. The first one, they're like, okay, cool. He gave us this manna. He actually gave them meat the first night. And then at this point in uh, Numbers 11, they're like, okay, you know what? This manna is like not hitting it anymore. <laughs> it's in verse um, six. It says, but now our appetite is gone. There's nothing to look at but this manna. And so when I looked at this passage um, or these two passages, it really spoke to me because I saw that there were really three main components that can bless you if you apply them appropriately. So the first thing that we learn in these passages, and remember all of this, the, today's lesson is all about being content, is that contentment keeps us from complaining. As I shared just now, both passages start off with complaints, but if you notice, Numbers 11 is more intense. Like in Exodus 16, the Israelites are complaining. They're like, hey, we want food. You know, why won't God give us food? And then God just answers their prayer. But in the second time they complain, and, and, and it even says, it notates the Israelites complained again in Numbers 11, everybody starts complaining. Everybody gets upset. So the Israelites are upset, and then Moses starts getting upset, and he's like, oh, why'd you give me these people? What I, You know, I would literally rather die than deal with their complaints. And then God is, he's upset too. I don't know if you can say God is complaining, uh, but he's, he's upset too. Like, oh, y'all are trifling people. I'm just about to you want some meat? I'm gonna give you plenty of meat. Like he, he really turns up on them. He's really upset. He's like, Oh, you want some meat? I'm not going to just give you enough meat for one day or two days or five days. No, you have enough meat for a month. And there's a ton of y'all, y'all going to be sick of meat by the time I get this. And it makes me think of parents where they're like, Oh, you want this? I'm gonna make sure. Oh, you, Oh, you, oh, you don't like Brussels sprouts? Well, I'm gonna make sure you have Brussels sprouts every day for the next week. That's basically what God just did with them. And I think that what are important to note, I think, and I think the reason why God gets more upset in Numbers 11 is that at this point, God has done a ton of miracles in the Israel's, Israelites' lives. And he showed them before that if they ever need anything, he can supply it. But they forget about that. And then they start fantasizing about Egypt as if they weren't slaves when they were there. So it's like, okay, so you about to tell me about this place that was just so awesome. Mind you, you were in chains, but this was just a great place. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Cool. And it makes me think it actually ties directly in with the next thing that contentment teaches us or keeps us from, it keeps us from comparisons. That's really where the Israelites messed up is that they started comparing themselves to where they had been. They were like, oh man, it looks so like the grass really was greener on the other side. They were like, remember when we had that garlic? Oh my gosh, that garlic was so good. We had fish and God's like, oh, so we're just going to ignore the fact that you were working as slaves for these men and we're just going to focus on the good parts of it and even when I was meditating on this yesterday um, God showed me that contentment like in, in comparisons there it's just it's so dangerous y'all because when we're operating within our 
predestined sphere of influence and when we're operating in our God-given gifts and talents, and we're going to talk about this next month in our identity series, then we are thriving. We are always at our best when we're just saying, Lord, this is my lane and I'm going to do everything that I can with it. We And we act like the people in the Bible with the parable of the 10 talents. We take our talent, whether it be one or two or five, and we multiply it. That is always a great place to be. But when we start comparing and saying, Lord, like, look at them. Why do they have more than me? Or Lord, you know, at my old job, they never did this. It's insulting. It is insulting to look at, and it makes God's even making me think of the passage of scripture where he says, who is a, what is clay to say to the potter? Why did you make me like this? But that's what we do so often when we get caught up in comparison. We're telling God, okay, I know this is where you say that I'm supposed to be, but I don't really trust it. And I got caught up in the comparison trap last fall. That's why I was like striving to do so many things because I felt like, oh, well, you know, God, I know we don't have a lot of money right now, but I feel like we need a lot of money. So I'm about to set up these sales pages and I'm about to get these clients. And I was striving to be somewhere where I was not supposed to be in that particular season. Financial abundance was just not the appropriate thing for me. And and I know now that it's because God had to teach me contentment first. He's like, sis, you can't even rock with this $20 that I've given you. So why would I give you $200? Why would I give you $2,000? Why would I give you anything? Instead of being content with what you have, you're always telling me you don't have what you need. And I think that that's why so many people commit suicide or why people walk out on their marriages or why people are just so depressed because instead of being content with what we have, we're always looking at, again, it doesn't, it it may not even be what other people have, but what we used to have that we feel like we need. I know for me, um, outside of the financial piece, you know, I felt like, oh, well, when I got pregnant with my son, Jaden, I remember being like, oh God, well, you know, so-and-so is not pregnant and they're, they're going out here and they're, and they're, they're traveling. And it's like, okay, if that was for me though, in that season, then God would give it to me. So you're comparing yourself to somebody. And then also you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Their might life may look awesome. Yes. They, they, they are traveling their hashtag relationship goals, but they're actually in debt. And if that picture that you're looking at, they actually had a huge argument before they took that picture or a huge argument after they took the picture. Like, we're always limited by what we see. And obviously right now I'm talking about pictures. I'm talking about social media feeds. Comparisons are a trap y'all. So contentment keeps us from comparing. And I am quick to do a social media fast. If I feel like I'm getting caught up in what other people are doing, I'm like, no Lord, I want to focus on where you have me. So That's why contentment is just so important. It keeps us from complaining. It keeps us from comparisons. But then in the last piece, it, it prevents calamity. Y'all do not take this lightly. The Israelites complained about where they were 
They complained about the provision that God had given them, this manna from heaven, which was a miracle in the beginning, but then all of a sudden it stopped being magnificent because they were tired of it. They complained and they died. But they only died after God gave them what they thought they wanted. Let that sink in. The Israelites were discontent and they died as a result of it, but they died only after God gave them what they thought they wanted. And that shows me, y'all, sometimes God will let you have what you want just so that you can learn it's not what you need. And that's what happened to me last fall. I, like I said, I was working on trying to have all these different income streams and it was chaotic. I was really tired. I was cranky probably. I wasn't taking good care of myself. I wasn't taking good care of my family. Uh, I wasn't eating well, but I didn't have any, I didn't even have anything to show for it in the end. It wasn't like, okay, well, I put my nose to the ground and I was working and I was hustling and now I have this abundance of wealth. No, I did all that and then I was all the result was just that I was just tired and cranky. That was it. And going back to marriage, you know, there are some people who are out here and you are striving and you are working your behind off, but you're doing it at the expense of your family. Your wife hasn't seen you or your husband hasn't seen you and you know, your children like are, are growing more and more distant from you every day. And you can't even see it because you're just running, going back to the, the lesson from last week about being still and how it allows us to reflect and reset and rest. You can't even reflect. You can't even look up and see what's happening because you're always running instead of just being content and say, God, this is if this is where I am, this, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. And if we look at Exodus 16, it shows like the Israelites didn't have to struggle for food. It says every day they went out and they gathered what they needed. That's what they were told to do. And those who trusted God always had enough to eat. And then those, there were people, and I didn't read this part of the scripture, but there were people who gathered more than what they needed and it rotted. So it's like, that's another thing about this contentment piece. We're out here getting stuff that if it's not for us, God's not even going to let it. He's not going to let anything come from it. Going back to just what I said previously, I, I was struggling, trying to have all these income streams, setting up these sales pages for nothing because I, they're the, like the, the products and, 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 and services that I was working on, they don't even exist outside of my own like Google drive. <laughs> like no one else knows about them, but me. And it's because God was like, because that's not where I want you. That's where you were trying to be. I'm reminded of Psalm 3410, which says young lions lack food and go hungry. But those who trust the Lord lack no good thing. And it says, trust means firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability or strength of someone or something. So if I trust God's ability, then I know his word coming to pass does not rely solely on me. My biggest responsibility is my obedience. Beyond that, God does everything. And even when I think about the analogy of, of a, a young lion, I was like, okay, why does, why did God use the young lion analogy? When I think about a young lion, I think about somebody who's going out and they're hunting. 
And God's saying, okay, you can go out and hunt all you want, but you will lack food apart from me. If you're, if you're seeking these things, but you're not seeking me, you're going to be hungry. And it's really humbling to know that God doesn't need you nearly as much as you think. And I'm not, you know, this is not out of disrespect, me trying to play you or anything, but y'all, I'm, I'm speaking from experience. I'm speaking for me. I have not worked in seven months and my family has not gone hungry. I feel like God has actually brought more financial increase in this season where I'm still and I'm not doing a ton outside of talking with y'all every week and being home with my boys. Like God had to realign my priorities. He had to show me what it means to just be content with the season that I'm in instead of always trying to get to the next thing. So contentment keeps us from complaining. It keeps us from comparisons, but it also keeps us from calamity. And y'all, I, that calamity piece is so important because it looks, it will look different depending on who you are and what it is that you're supposed to be doing. I think it'll also depend on how often God has had to deal with you in a particular area. So if it's an area he has talked to you about again and again and again, it will not be a good thing. And this goes back to my personal testimony with the food. Like, um, people who know me know that I have been delivered from gluttony. Um, I, had a huge problem with overeating and I tell people I feel like I got away with it because I'm quote unquote skinny or you know look like I'm in shape and um God actually used a sister in Christ to talk to me about it we were she came by my house one day and I was sick and so she came by my house and somehow it came up that I'd like eaten too much or something and it ended up being this full-on like Oprah Winfrey soul Sunday type situation. Cause she was like, Oh, Brie, you know, you're, it seems like your food is your yes for you. Like you do everything else for everybody else. Your food is your yes for you. And she was right. Food was my therapy. I loved thinking through the meals I was going to eat. I loved like, I mean, when I was sad, I would eat when I was happy. I was eat, I would eat all the time. And I had never identified it as gluttony. I was just like, oh, my eyes are bigger than my stomach. You know, just the things we say all the time, right? Oh, I just, you know, my, and, and some some of us do say that. Oh, my food is my, my thing for me. Like, I'll, I'll cut back on a lot of areas, but I'm gonna eat what I wanna eat. And take it from someone who thought that way for a long time. God, I, I, I finally broke free of gluttony last year. Um, but I went through hell. That's really the best way I can explain it. I mean, I, I, there were so many nights where I was up, I was throwing up or, you know, I had really bad cramps or I couldn't sleep because God was like, I've been dealing with you in this area for a really long time and you don't seem to want to take me seriously. So I'm going to make it hurt because that's going to be the only way that I can get your attention. And I don't know what your thing is. I don't know what thing God has been dealing with you about, but please, please, please take this as a warning to just say, Lord, I'm going to be content with what you've given me. You don't have to wreck me. You don't have to have me throwing up. You don't have to kill me like you did with the Israelites. Lord, I'm just going to be content. That's what I'm choosing because it is a choice. 
I mean, it's a day to day choice. And I, and I, again, being transparent with my journey with eating every day, I have to say, okay, Lord, <laughs> I'm going to make this and I'm going to be content with this. As someone who really enjoys eating, sometimes I, I get sad when I'm full because I'm like, oh, I guess that means it has to be over. And I, y'all are my people. So I have no problem sharing this with you. Sometimes I'm like, but Lord, I really want to eat just because I do want to eat. But so I have to put that truth before the Lord and say like, Lord, help me to be content. And that's something I'm praying that y'all will pray with me because the, because it's an area that I've been delivered, that I've been delivered from the enemy will use it on a regular basis. And it's a really strong area he can use because it's like, well, your girl has to eat, right? I can't just not eat, but God is like, okay, yes, but you can eat without abusing it and you can eat with me. I want you to eat. I want you to enjoy what it is that you have, but don't try to do it apart from me. And that's the whole thing with the Israelites. He wasn't telling them to just be out here hungry, but he just wanted them to be content. And I think even if they had phrased it differently, because the first time they weren't as intense with their complaining. But I think if they had just said like a, 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 a child to their father, hey, dad, like, can we have some meat, please? I think they would have been in a very different position, but because they came from this place of discontentment and ungratefulness, God was like, oh, I'm going to give you some meat. Mm-hmm. You're going to have some meat. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. And it, it, it resulted in their death. And there is just nothing, y'all. There is nothing that is worth that. So before I close out for today, y'all, I want to tell you a story because I think it's really, really powerful. And um, it's funny because God used a movie to make this connection for me. But my husband and I shared earlier, we celebrated our 30 year wedding anniversary and we just chill for the majority of the, the day. We didn't get out of our pajamas till like 6 p.m. Then we did dinner and a movie. Um, but earlier in that day, we had watched this or started to watch this movie that was not very good and we ended up changing it. But God's so cool because he made a connection uh, for this podcast episode for this week. So in the movie, there's this hedgehog and he's like the best hedgehog ever. He's really fast, he's really strong. Um, all these different things and he is like people are very envious of him and he's super cocky he knows that he's the fastest and the strongest and so he gets into it with like a I don't know some other animal the animal is escaping me but he gets into it with a different animal uh trying to get this fruit so it ends up being this like full out brawl and they end up on a train he ends up in this in a different part of town uh, and he loses his memory so he wakes up and he's around these birds and he's like what happened to me and they're like oh you know you fell or you flew from the sky and you your your wings fell off and you know, we've just been taking care of you while you've been here. And then there are some smaller birds that are like, he's weird. Like, why does he look like that? And the hedgehog gets insecure because he loses his memory. So he doesn't remember that he's a hedgehog. He thinks that he's a bird. He thinks that he's some weird bird that has lost his wings and can't fly. And so he, there's a part where he says, what, what am I? And it made me think of when I was in college and I had people who were dating around me. They wouldn't date me. They would date around me. And same thing in high school. And I remember asking God, like, what's wrong with me? And there was nothing wrong with me. I just wasn't where I was supposed to be. Like, there was nothing wrong with the hedgehog. He was the great hedgehog. But when he was trying to be a bird, it wasn't working. Because that's not who he was created to be. And 
I really felt like I needed to share that with somebody because you are out here and you are comparing yourselves to people that you are not supposed to be like. You are looking at careers that you're never supposed to have. You are not created for. You are looking at just paths that are not for you and you're 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 almost lusting after them and you feel so unfulfilled and you feel so empty and it's because you are a hedgehog surrounded by birds and you're trying to blend in with them and that's not that's not what you're supposed to be doing and I shared this at the beginning, but I think that's why so many people are contemplating suicide or they're leaving their families or they're quitting jobs prematurely. Somewhere along the lines, you've allowed yourself to miss what you were created for. And maybe that's because you don't know Jesus. Maybe you don't have a relationship with God. And if that's the case, then I invite you to to come to know him today. Because who better than the designer to tell you what you were designed for? I, I shared this on another episode. If your iPhone isn't working, you're not going to go to a store where they sell galaxies and say, hey, can you tell me how this works? Because there may be a few people in the building who can tell you, yeah, oh yeah, you do this. But they're they're not. That's not. they're not experts in that. They don't know how it works. They didn't create it. You need to go to Apple if you're going to try and figure out how iPhone works. And so there are so many of you who are caught in this comparison trap and you are contemplating some really dangerous things because one, you're just discontent with where you are or two, you're trying to be somebody you were never created to be. And so I really want to invite those who do not have a relationship with the Lord to accept him into your heart today. It's really simple. Not, I'm not, it's not going to be some big scripted thing to say like, Lord, I don't know what I'm designed for. I hear word that you're the one who created me. Please come into my heart. Please forgive me of my sins. Please use me. I want to feel useful. And I can say it's my own personal testimony. The moment that I said, God, I don't know what I was created for. You tell me what I was created for. It changed everything. And every single day I get an opportunity to trust him more and to know him more and to lean on him more and not on my own understanding. There are some uncertainties, but because I'm connected with my creator, then I don't have to fear anything. And I'm reminded of Matthew six thirty four, which says, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow. Worry about itself. Sufficient for each day is its own trouble. I'm able to operate every day in the grace that I need and because I know that I, I, I follow someone who's ordering my footsteps, I don't have to worry about missing out on anything. So if that's another thing that you deal with is that fear of missing out. If you're a Christian, I, I would say, ask God to deliver you from that. But then if you're not a Christian, just please invite him into your heart today because it will free you from so many things. It will free you from comparison. It will free you in many ways from complaining. Because you just learn contentment and you say, Lord, you know what? This is where I need to be. So I want to share the song of the week and the verse for the week. Um, But before I do that, I want to pray. Um, God, thank you for being an intentional God. Thank you for being a God who keeps your covenant promises to a thousand generations, Lord. Um, Lord, right now I'm just coming to you. Lifting up people who have gotten caught up in this comparison trap. I know that was only one of the points on this episode, but I really feel like it was the most important one. Uh, 
so many of us are caught in comparisons and we're trying to get to places where we were never designed to be. And it is causing us to question ourselves, to be like the hedgehogs and, and, and question our identity and say, who am I? Like, what am I supposed to be doing? And so, Lord, I'm just praying right now for anybody who's feeling that way today, Lord. I just pray that you would grant them your peace. I pray that if they don't know you, Lord, that right now, as we speak, that they would invite you into their heart, Lord God, and that they would say, please rule over my life because I don't know what I'm doing. And then I pray, Lord, if if they are fellow believers, Lord God, that this would just be a reset opportunity where they say, you know what? I've tried it my way. I didn't know what I was doing. I have gotten caught up in the comparison trap. But Lord, I I want you to refocus me. I pray just wherever people are, Lord God, wherever they are in their walk with you, that you will um, order their footsteps, Lord, and and just get them where they need to be. Please teach them contentment in this season, Lord God, and prevent them from calamity. It's all these things I ask in Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. Hey, Purpose Peeps, thank you so much for listening to the podcast for this week. Uh, As we close out, I do want to give the verse for the week and the song for the week. So the verse for the week is godliness with contentment is great gain for you brought nothing into this world and you can take nothing out of it. And that comes out of 1 Timothy 6 and 6. And the song for this week is Comparison Kills by Jonathan McReynolds. Y'all, I've been listening to this song for like two weeks straight, three weeks, and it is really blessing me. I pray that you will listen to that song, that you will meditate on that verse throughout this week, and that it will really speak to your heart in in the season that you're in and just show you that you have everything that you need. Before I sign off, I do want to invite you to join our Black Girls of Purpose community. You can do that by going to blackgirlsofpurpose.org slash join. When you do, you'll be met with a screen that allows you to put in your email and your name, and you'll get a series of emails from me. The first will be more of an introduction into who Black Girls of Purpose is. If you're new to uh, this movement and you're like, okay, I listened to the podcast, but I didn't know there were other things happening. Um, Then you'll also get a coupon code for our Black Girls of Purpose shop because we do have t-shirts that we sell that have just different messages on them. My favorite one is the mission field tee. It says everywhere you walk is your mission field. And so you'll get a coupon code that you can use for that t-shirt and other goodies that we have on there. I send a lot of different things because I do not take for granted the fact that you are listening, especially on these longer episodes where I just share things as God is sharing them with me. But it means so much that you are part of our Black Girls of Purpose community. And so I love for you to get connected to our email list so that you can see all the wonderful things that God is doing. That is all for this week. Go forth, be well, be rested, and I'll talk to you next week. It's never that easy to choose purpose But I would die to my flesh, live a life of worship I'm really, really, really trying to make it into heaven I'm trying to him sit to work